I have a, a few things I wanted to share with you. And if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Here in the book of Luke is one of the most startling stories that you'll find in the whole Bible. You know, the Bible makes this statement of why God gave the law in the book of Romans in chapter 3. It says that every mouth may be stopped. In other words, God wanted to stop every mouth. I guess because somebody could say, hey, I'm not that bad. I mean, I've been pretty good. So God gave his law to shut every mouth. God let us know what he required. And that, that was perfection. So he gave a law that required perfection or you messed up. And the wages of sin is death. And the sin is transgressing the law of God. So he gave a law. Not only to shut every mouth, but he says he gave the law that all the world would become guilty. And so there's nobody who can justify themselves in the eyes of God. Nobody can claim their right. That God doesn't have a legitimate claim to condemn an individual to an everlasting fire-burning hell. In other words, just to be guilty of the law, okay, big deal. All have sinned. Okay, so what? Wages of sin is death. All right, I'm going to die. That'll be the end of it anyway. You know, six feet under. I asked a man one day, I said, where are you going to go when you die? He says, Tennessee. There's always somebody, you know. But if all that is true, what's the big deal? You've got to be perfect to go to heaven. Okay, I'm not perfect. Now what are you going to do about it? You know, it's just what he's going to do about it that's so bad. The consequences. And that's something sometimes we don't want to think about. You know, people sin because it's fun. If it wasn't fun, most of them wouldn't do it. Uh, some people enjoy telling a lie. Some people enjoy deceiving. You know, have you ever watched a football game and the guy is trying to fake out the guy that's coming up trying to get him with the ball? And he tries to pretend like he's going to go that way and then he cuts back and goes the other way? Is that deception? That's deception. And every team is trying to deceive the other side, trying to fool them. They even try to have a, a certain defense, and then they'll shift it right at the last minute and, and, and try to throw them off, calling plays in a huddle. Why, why don't you just tell everybody what you're going to do? Then everybody knows what you're going to do, and then, and then see how it works. But there's something about us that we love sin. And people wouldn't commit adultery if it wasn't fun. I believe people enjoy committing murder at times. But did you know that there's consequences to our decisions? And Jesus tells one of the strangest stories. And I just want you to, to look at this with me. I want to read it to you. And then I want to talk about it. Here in verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen. And he fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, been in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, 
and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, thou art tormented. Beside all of this, between us and you, there is a great goth fix, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would have sent him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. This is a story about real people, believe it or not. It's not a parable. Jesus is the one telling the story. It's the reason why he did what he did. He came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. And he gives us a beautiful picture about what happens to those that die and they're lost. So this thing about that every mouth may be stopped, oh, it was for a reason. And that the whole world become guilty before God, that that was for a reason. That no man is justified in the eyes of God, oh, that was for a reason. Because there's only one way to get to heaven, that's through Christ. It was to take away all the excuses of man. To nail it down and get everybody to see that no man can save himself by his good deeds. It would be only through accepting Jesus Christ as a Savior. Now, in this little old story, there's two lifestyles, as you can see. There, oh, One man was rich and one man was poor. I have to be honest, I can relate more to the poor guy than that rich guy. I had a a fairly of a rough beginning myself. One had too much, and one had too little. Anybody like that here? When it comes to money, do you always feel like you just don't have enough? That you could always use just a little bit more? Well, here was a, a rich man that fared sumptuously every day. I mean, he had everything he could desire. A rich man, clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day, every day. Now, some of us, we get good days here and there, but as you look back over your life, can you say every day, every day? Well, probably not. Well, God did not stop the rich man from being rich. And God didn't stop the poor man from being poor. So here's Jesus Christ who made the heavens and the earth, and he knows the complete story of this rich man. And the poor man. God did not stop the rich man from being rich. Even though he knew where the rich man was going to spend eternity. Is God God? Does he know the end from the beginning? And he allowed a man to live. And enjoy all the benefits of life. To live what we call high on the hog. Allowed him to make a lot of riches. And didn't stop him. And then there's another man that didn't believe on the Lord. He's God's child. And God allowed him to be poor. He could have changed it, I guess. I mean, God is God. That God can set up kings and take them down. Lift up princes and take them down. God can do whatever God wants to do. And God knew this man 
was a poor man and never let him become rich. I mean, we don't know the whole life story, but whatever it was, God knew it. Does God know your situation? Does he know that there's rich people? Now, I don't know. We may have some rich people in our church. I have no clue. I don't know what people make. I don't, I don't know. We may have some people in the church that are very poor. Does God know which one you are? And God allows you to be poor. Did you know that God might allow you to be poorer than you are? That coming down the road, he might even take away more than what you have now. Did you know that there's people around this country because of this storm and that storm and all these things that happened? Some people have lost everything they've had. Does God know that? Did God permit things like this to happen? Evidently, he does. So God knew the story about these two individuals, and he did nothing to change it. You see, the Bible says that the rich man in this lifetime, he received the good things. Lazarus says he received evil things. You see, look over there. I want you to see this. Look at verse 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things. So he knew that in your lifetime what you received. Does God know everything you have received and things that you would like to have and you didn't have? God is God. God knew the whole story of these two individuals. And it looks like God didn't do anything about it. I mean, after all, I'm God's child. Why wouldn't God make me the rich man and make the rich man the poor man? Now, that's how I would have done it. That seemed like that would have been more fair. But God is God, and God makes no mistakes. God is wise. He said, in thy lifetime. Lifetime is a small period of time. Read the 90th Psalm. When it talks about, you know, three score and ten, that's 70. And then if perchance you live to be 80, uh, there's still heartache and sorrow, and we still fly away. It means you're still going to die. You say, well, I'll live to be 90. Okay, you're still going to die. Well, maybe I'll make it to 95. You're still going to die. What then? What then? So God knew what then. See, God knows what was going to happen when they die. And he knew that this man in his lifetime, he enjoyed good things. He also says that Lazarus, evil things. In other words, he was a child of God that was going to Abraham's bosom to paradise. But in his lifetime, he suffered. In his lifetime, he had sores all over his body. And it says, moreover, the dog. That's the name of the dog, moreover. Moreover, the dog came and licked his sores. So he was a beggar, didn't have anything. He had disease on his body, and dogs were licking his sores. Did God know that? Did God see that? Jesus is telling the story. Jesus knew the two individuals. He knew everything about them. Why didn't he stop this beggar from being a beggar? Couldn't God have just unloaded benefits? Maybe he did at one time. We don't know all of it. But he received evil things. Now listen, in your lifetime that you and I are going to get to live, God seems like he allows you to have a little touch of both. A few good things, and then there seems like there's things that just came from the devil. He allows you to suffer so much. And sometimes it seems like you feel like I'm a beggar. I don't have anything. 
and you may lose a job and you can lose all your money and you can lose your health. And, and then you wonder whether or not, hey, God, don't want to cause no fuss, but what about us? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I, do you know who I am? But we want the Lord to know who we are and where we are and what we're going through. God even says, come unto me and make your petitions known. Let the Lord and give praise and thanks unto the Lord for all that he hath done. In the 103rd Psalm, it talks about he hath loaded us with all these benefits. Loaded us. You mean I got more than I need of the benefits. The spiritual blessings that God has given to you and I. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, when it talks about we have been blessed in the heavenlies. In other words, God sees us in His Son in the heavenlies. Somebody said, well, how are you doing? Well, under the circumstances. What are you doing under there? You see, we're supposed to have the position that we're in heaven and we're looking down. Well, on top of everything, I say it's pretty good. See, it depends on your perspective, how you see things. Do you see that there's a God in heaven that knew the rich man and he knew the poor man? He knew one believed and one did not believe. And he allowed the one to be comforted. See there in that verse 25, Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, likewise, Lazarus, evil things. Now, now, hey, things have changed. Would you rather have the good things for a short period of time, and then you have the evil things for eternity? Or would you rather have the evil things for the short period of time and the good things for eternity. It's perspective. You see, I know that whatever happens to me in this life, it's a short period of time because we're going to vanish away. We're going to disappear out of here. Whatever the worst thing that could ever happen to you in this life is a short period of time. But you see, God looks down the road. And he saw Lazarus in the future. Because, see, God has to know where Lazarus was going. And God knew where the rich man was going. And wasn't it great for the Lord to be merciful and kind to the rich man? He at least enjoyed a few things. But you know all those good things that he had? Can come back to haunt him someday. Because there's things that God says and put here in his word. Now, both lived and both died. Of all the people in the world, we're born, and we live, and we die. Ecclesiastes talks about a time to be born, a time to die, a time to laugh, a time to cry, time to war, a time to love. The Bible says that when Lazarus died, he was carried by the angels. I remember a teacher I had one time in college. He was asked to go to the hospital because a person was dying. And he was young in the ministry, and so he didn't know exactly what to do. He'd never done this before. And he was standing by the edge of the bed. And the person passed away. And everybody looked at him. And he thought, I guess I'm supposed to say something. He says, there she goes. <laughs> there she goes. 
No, I've, I've been in a lot of situations, but I've never, there he goes. <laughs> anyway, he was kind of embarrassed, but he, he, that was the only thing he could think of. So you never know <laughs> what to do in every situation. But we all live, and we're all going to die. And so he was carried by the angels. You know, the Bible didn't say that about the rich man being carried by the angels. I, I, maybe he had to be cast in because nobody wanted to take him. I don't know. But the Bible says that when the rich man died and in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Now, I, I wrote down a few things just so that you'll know that there are some things that a man who dies and goes to hell can happen to him. I wrote this down. The rich man, he could see. He saw Lazarus. He saw Abraham. Where he was, he could see. Now, it doesn't say he could see anybody else where he was, but he could see through the gulf somehow. Boy, he had to have good vision. So there's a great gulf between the two. You can't cross from one to the other. But he could see. He could recognize. Now, here's a man who's dead. And he could look across this chasm and he could see in the place of paradise. I see Abraham. Do you know if he could see Abraham, Abraham was alive. But Abraham was dead. The Bible says that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That means if he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob must be uh, alive. They are alive. And when people die, they're still alive. But the people that are without the Lord, they're looked upon as being dead. It means separated from God. So you and I understand that whenever we die, it means we're separated from our body. It's not the, you know, the annihilation of a person. You still exist. You're just separated from your body. So death is you being separated from your physical body. And everybody's going to die. If you think, well, I'm just going to die and I'll, they'll put my body in the grave and that's all there is to it. Have you died before? Then how do you know that's true? That's what you hope is true. But why not listen to the person who died and was buried, came back from the dead? Know anybody else that's done that on their own? Jesus is the only one to come back from the dead. And it says, now this is the way it really is. You see, if you die, you can't come back. You can't make it happen. But the one that did can. And so we have interesting things here in the Word of God. The poor man, he received compassion. You see, he said he was in Abraham's bosom. The individual, the writer that God used to write the Gospel of John, it says that he laid his head upon Jesus' bosom. It means he was as close as he could get. That's as close as you can get. Lazarus, he, he, that's as close as he could get to the great patriarch Abraham. Did you know that he was isolated and probably nobody wanted him? Nobody met his need. A poor man, a beggar. Now he is comforted. And he says, and thou art tormented. He is comforted. 
You see, we in this life, we don't always have the comfort that we would like. There's a lot of struggles that we go through, a lot of problems and heartaches of all kinds, disappointments and discouragement and despair. But you see, it's so, so short a period of time. It's just this little lifetime, time of life, and it's temporary. But there's something that's going to be for eternity. And you and I are going to be blessed and comforted for eternity in something like a place called paradise forever and ever. No more sorrow, sickness, death, and disease. Why? Because there'd be no more sin. All these things are because of sin, sin in the world. So the Bible says this is what it ought to be and the way it's going to be. You see, Abraham, it says, could not show mercy to the rich man. What was the one thing the rich man says here? He cried in verse 24 and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Mercy. He couldn't have mercy on him. After the man is dead, there was no more mercy. We have people today who teach that whenever you die, you can go to a place called purgatory, which is not in the Bible. And that somebody can pray you out of there and help ease your time there and your pain. But that's not taught in the Bible. You see, there's a way to be sure of going to heaven. I'm so glad I can never go to purgatory. I can never go to hell. I'm going to heaven whenever I die. Whenever Lazarus died. See, he didn't go to purgatory. Two men died. One went here, one went there. They both didn't go to the same place. That's contrary to what a lot of religions teach. Jesus is the one that tells the story. And you notice what he prayed. He says, Father Abraham. Evidently, they thought at one time that's all they needed. As long as I can say that, hey, I know who my father is. It's Father Abraham. Look there in the book of John in chapter 8. The book of John chapter 8. And look in verse 19. Verse 19. And you'll notice the Jewish people had, I guess you could say, a special bonding to Abraham. And they thought just because we are of the lineage of Abraham, we got it made. That's all we need to do is just make sure that we are of the, of the nation of Israel. Well, look what he says in verse 19. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Where's your father? Where's your father? Because he talked to them as though he always referred to somebody else being his father. Uh, now, see, Joseph was not his father. And he says in the last part of verse 19, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. So you see, they said they knew who his daddy was because they said, We know that your father is Joseph. They made the statement, We be not born of fornication because they knew that Mary and Joseph, they had a child before they got married. So it's like a mockery back to him. We're not born of fornication. We know you were. See there in verse 41? He says, Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. In other words, we didn't come from 
outside the matrimony of marriage. But now look what he says up there in verse 38. Look in verse 38. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. And that's why they said what they said. And then Jesus said what he said. Oh, I'd love to have been there and seen this. In verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, because he said God is my father, because he said I am the son of God, that would make Jesus God. But look what he said. Ye love me not, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. So he says in verse 44, Ye are of your father, the who? The devil. This is what Jesus said. To it. See, Jesus had never read Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> See, he should have took that course. Because Jesus should have known that he, you're going to make those people mad. They're, they're not going to like you. offended them people. But he says, you are of your father, the devil. Now look at verse 52. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast the devil. Abraham is dead. And the prophets, and thou saith, if a man keep my sin, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead, whom makest thou thyself? Who do you think you are? And Jesus said, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say he is your God. Yet ye have not known him. But I know him, and if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar just like you. Does that seem like he's tiptoeing through the tithers? What's he calling them? Liars? He says, I'd be a liar like you. Looking for it in verse 15. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. They said unto the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Have you seen Abraham? Well, slap my mouth. He had. So he says in verse 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto thee, unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. See, Jesus was Jehovah. He is the Lord. He is God. He said, I was here before Abraham was. They said, you mean you've seen Abraham? Yeah. Now, Jesus knew that he was setting them up. And it says in verse 59, And so they all got together and honored him and thought he was a wonderful man, and everything wonderful happened to him. And they took up stones to cast at him. They didn't like what he said, but did he lie? He told the truth. 